Let me invite you to turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. As we look together at the next of the Psalms, I, I'm just, I picked up where John Carroll left off and I'm uh, walking with you through the Psalms and we're up to that number. Psalm 37. Hear the word of the Lord of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from evil and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be, be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart. And their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall... He shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have seen, not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power Or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. And you will look on when the wicked are cut off. 
I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright. For there is a future for the man of peace, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Amen. May the Lord bless that reading of his word uh, to our hearts and to our lives. Well, I must be honest with you. Psalm 73 is very odd. It's an odd psalm, and I mean no disrespect to the Lord by that. Comparing one psalm with another, I mean, we have 150 to look at. It's a little unique or unusual. What's most odd about this psalm is that it never speaks to God. Uh, It's not like Esther. It does refer to the Lord. But as you look through the passage, as you study it carefully, you find that it is addressed to man rather than being addressed to the Almighty. Now, proper prayer that is addressed to God can be inferred from the psalm. And it's good for our souls to seek to understand that inference. Secondly, there's not a strong outline in Psalm 37. Did you know if you look at a dozen different commentaries, guess how many different outlines you're going to find? Oh, about two dozen, because they're all divided even among themselves. There is not a clear line of argument or persuasion in the written text. There are topics that are brought up from different angles at different points, but there's not one overarching argument that everyone can see. And in the original, the the poem, the psalm is a little odd as well. It has an unusual way of beginning each verse. It is a double alphabetic acrostic. That means that the verses begin with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet and that each letter gets two verses that begin with that letter. In English, therefore, it would be, to dust off your memory of poetry uh, from maybe ninth or tenth grade, it would be an A-A-B-B-C-C-D-D kind of pattern going all the way to the end. But there is a modification of this pattern. As was the habit of David, the acrostic pattern is modified. He always did that. And here he slightly modifies verses 27 to 30, expanding one letter and leaving another letter, I and out. And so it's, it's like his mark. It's sort of like an artist who paints a beautiful picture and then he puts his letter or he puts his signature over on the side. David has done that and clearly indicated his authorship of this text. And in the text itself, there's no doubt that it's by David. He, he's apparently an old man when he writes, but the text begins of David or a psalm of David. And that's there in the original Hebrew. And therefore, we know definitively who the author is. But as you listen to this psalm, Psalm 73, it sounds less like David than it does like Solomon, David's son, 
And that's because Psalm 73 is like a proverb. It's really, if you can follow my analogy, it's like a string of pearls. There are, if I'm counting correctly, 26 different pearls on this string. And in the next 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to hear about all of them. 26 different pearls brought together, and overall, they give us something that is beautiful and wonderful for us to wear in our Christian life. As we look at the string and appreciate its beauty, its main theme becomes clear. Do not fret because of evildoers, but rather commit your way to the Lord. Don't fret. Commit your way to the Lord. Now, the first thing that we see as we look at these pearls, and it's really sort of a combination of black pearls and white pearls together, interlaced. The first thing that catches my eye are the series of black pearls, which are so stunning and unusual. The wicked David tells us, are evildoers. And throughout the psalm, there's one truth after another asserting this reality. Verse 2 says, For they soon will fade like grass and wither like the green herb, these evildoers that he refers to in the first verse. Evildoers will wither and they will fade and be no more. And in verse 7 Ironically, he tells us that evildoers will at the same time sometimes prosper. Still before the, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So the first pearl is that evildoers will ultimately wither and fade. And the second pearl that's a black, shiny color is that evildoers sometimes prosper in this life, much to our surprise. David goes on and he says, but these evildoers are going to be cut off. That's the next pearl that we see in verses 9 to 10. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there, the evildoer will be gone. The fourth pearl is that these evildoers will fall. That's found in verses 13, 14, and 15. The Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. Their sure sword shall enter their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. Here, there's the picture of one who's bending his bow, ready to shoot that arrow at someone who is righteous, someone who loves the Lord, and somehow that arrow gets discombobulated and he shoots himself. Oh, God speaks of these evildoers as those who will fall to their death. Verse 17 is even more interesting. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Uh, This is an example of parallelism where on the one hand God is speaking or David is speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit about the evildoers and their arms get broken. On the other hand, right next to it and in the same breath, he's speaking about the righteous, that the Lord upholds him. So guess who breaks the arms of the evildoer? It's the Lord who upholds the righteous. Verse 20 tells us, 
The fifth truth or pearl that's dark, that the evildoers will perish. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastors. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. And so David, as he sings his psalm, presents us with a beautiful and striking picture of the fact that even though there are evildoers in the world, even though we might be tempted to worry about them, even though they appear as if they prosper for a season and actually do triumph, in the end, they will be like smoke which whiffs away and disappears. Verses 35 and 36 give us the seventh dark pearl. Evildoers will be cut down like a big tree. Verse 35 says, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. The greatest, the most powerful of evil men in all of history, where is their home? Do you see the home of Hitler? Do you know the home of Stalin? Can you find the place of Genghis Khan or others? Oh, there have been mighty, wicked, prosperous, evil men, and the Lord chops them all down to size in His good time, does He not? Even that bully on the playground who would like to sock you in the nose, the Lord will humble him one way or another in His own good time. And then finally, the last dark pearl is that the evildoers will lose their posterity. In verses 28... And verses 37 and 38, we see this truth. The Lord loves justice. He will not forsake His saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. And if that weren't clear enough, then in verse 37 we read, Mark the blameless and behold the upright. For there's a future for the man of peace, but transgressors shall altogether be destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Oh, Wickedness is done by the evildoers. And David here, as he strums his heart, hits these minor notes that we sense and feel and know are in keeping with the reality of the world around us. All is not light and happiness and good. There is much evil in the land. And here, the Lord through David calls it out and identifies some key things about it as precious truths for us to wear throughout our life and be reminded of that fact. Now, the second truth that the Lord gives and the other aspect of this string of pearls is a whole series of white pearls, encouraging uh, clear and cheerful pearls in many ways. And these are commandments to commit our way to the Lord. The first verse says, Do not fret yourself because of evildoers, and do not be envious of wrongdoers. And so on the one hand, we are told not to fret about them. Not to fret and worry and stew and fear. Not to wake up in the middle of the night trembling. Not to go to bed at night with our last thought being how horrible they are. Oh, they are there and they are that bad and worse. But we are not to fret over such things. Nor are we to envy them. Evildoers are prosperous. They can be like that big green tree which grows, grows large and spreads its leaves from one side to another. 
And we stand there as a small shrub and think, boy, I wish I were as big as he is. But the Lord says, don't envy them. Just because they prosper, they appear to win. And for a period they do win, but at the end of the day, it will be seen only for a season. What are we then to do? What is the Lord's positive affirmation to us? He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Trust in the Lord and do good, we are told by the psalmist. Oh, we are to trust in Him on the one hand, with our whole hearts, looking to Him for our salvation, not counting upon ourselves for our own righteousness or good standing in this life or the life to come, uh, finding all of our strength and glory in Him, but yet all the same time while trusting Him, we also do not sleep, but rather we work. We should be busy doing what? Doing good. Busy seeking to be like our Savior, to be like our God. We must do good because indeed our Heavenly Father is good and we should follow in His way. What else should we do more specifically? Verse 3 says, Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. We are told on the one hand to stay in the proximity of the land which God has given. And to a good Old Testament Jew, they would know exactly what this means. Uh, They were not to move off to Babylon, willingly. They were not to move off to Persia or elsewhere. Uh, They were to stay in the land because that was the place that God had given them and the calling which He had given to them. Now, as we heard this morning, that Old Testament plot of ground means that today we should not be so much fretting about real estate, particular piece of it, but recognize that it was a part for the whole. And that God has given his people possession of all the land, of all the earth. We glorify God in all of life, in every time, and in every place. And when the Lord comes again, he should find us faithful, faithful in our calling, faithful cultivating that patch that God has given us, faithful cultivating in our families and in our church, faithfully cultivating in the communities around us, bearing witness to Him, doing good and seeking good fruit from it. And He tells us in verse 4, another pearl, that we should delight ourselves in the Lord and that He will give the desires of our hearts. There we get a picture not of what we are to do as believers on the outside, but what life is like on the inside. We are to delight in God. We are to busy ourselves from the inside out with doing that which He has commanded, not begrudgingly, not dragging our feet, but rather doing it with a hop, a skip, and a jump. As from the inside we love the Lord and favor Him. And in verse 5 we read a corresponding truth. One bright pearl right next to the other. Commit your way to the Lord... Trust in Him in what? You'll have all these great things to do. Well, He's already told us great things to do. He says, and He will act. You see, in this life, we're very aware that we're fallen and that we're finite creatures. We are small. We are not as big as all those great big oaks in the land. And God will cut them down to size in His own time. And God will give us every strength that we need. God, He will do it. He will make it right. He will give you the desires of of your heart, for example. He will do that which you long for. Now, 
What he also will do is he will change what you long for so that you come into conformity with the image of Christ our Lord and that you will love and long and delight in the things of God. And so he will give you greater godliness and greater sanctification. He will make you better tomorrow than you are today to his glory. He will do it. The eighth pearl of that shiny kind is where verse 6 says, the Lord will make us shine. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. You know, when you go into a room, you look around and you see a number of different kinds of folks. You'll see people that have a sad face on. You'll see people that are so busy chatting, they have no idea how they feel or what they look like. And you'll find other folks who are shining brightly with a smile or with a countenance which is satisfied with the good things of God. Our Lord is here through David telling us that He will make us to shine in our lives, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even on a dark and rainy day, even when the troubles of this life weigh us down, He will shine through us His glory. He will do it. That's one of the blessings that He gives. The ninth pearl is one that's very special. It's one of the larger pearls on the string. It's found in verses 9 and 11 and 22. It says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And in verse 11, The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And in verse 22 we read, For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by Him shall be cut off forever. And so there are three times in this one little psalm where this truth of the meek or the humble inheriting the land is held out to us. And so it's no wonder that the Lord Jesus Christ, as He sat down upon the mount and He began to teach His disciples that He drew from Psalm 37 and it's the third beatitude He told them in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, the pearl number nine of the bright kind that is given, or of the tenth kind that is given in verse 13 is a little surprising. There it says, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day, that is the wicked man's day, is coming. And so the Lord laughs. He laughs at and so mocks all of his and our enemies. And he does that so that we don't have to. He laughs even in their face, this sovereign God against whom they are seeking to rebel. And we can simply rest and trust and call upon the name of the Lord to rebuke them, and he will judge them in the end. Verse 24 is the 11th pearl. It tells us, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds him. The Lord will catch us as we fall. He will pull us back up. We'll get back on our feet and continue to glorify Him day by day. And He will feed us, we're told, is the twelfth truth in Psalm 25. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or His children begging for bread. The Lord holds us up and He feeds us. And verse 28 tells us that He does not forsake us. The Lord loves justice. He'll not forsake His saints. They're preserved forever, but the children of the wicked are cut off. Oh, 
He goes on with four more bright and shining uh, reassurances to us. The Lord will exalt us and He will save us and He will help us and He will deliver us from the wicked. You can read after the, after the service, verses 33 to the end, and find each one of those pearls there brightly shining. So we have this string of pearls in front of us. Two different colors, glistening and so beautiful and attractive. And the Lord tells us overall not to fret because of the evildoer, but to commit our way to the Lord. And so we ask, Lord, why? Why should we not fret? We kind of like fretting. And why should we commit our way to the Lord? Because that's hard sometimes. It's not the way we feel sometimes. There are actually two answers the psalm gives us. One is in the text. Verse 8 tells us, and it's maybe one of the largest pearls here. Verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. And so why should we not fret? And why should we instead commit our way to the Lord? Because if we fret and don't commit our way to the Lord, we are tempted in a new way to evil doing ourselves. We may find that the one evildoer we're pointing to, we've got three or four fingers pointing back to us in our anger and wrath. I once knew a man. He was vexed by the sins of the world around him. He saw his neighbors and others doing evil, and it cut him to the quick. He saw the sinfulness in the life of his own family, and his head was humbled. And even in his own life, and he felt like putting on sackcloth and ashes because of the humble man before God that he was. I knew another man who was always upset, always churning about things in the world, And he could see very clearly the evil in others. His wife, his children, his neighbors, fellow church members, and certainly out there in the world. He could identify the sins of them all. He carried his burden like a red badge of courage through his life. Or maybe I ought to say like a fig leaf, which covered up the fact that he himself was a sinner in need of the Savior to forgive him from his sins. Oh, we are not to fret over other sinners and evildoers, but rather we are to commit our way to the Lord lest we fail to commit to him. And we use the sin around us as an escape from the kingdom and way of God and calling that he gives to us to humble our hearts in Christ our Lord. But there's a second reason why we should not fret. And a second reason why we should commit our way to the Lord, it's not found in the text, but it's assumed underneath each word of this inspired psalm. It's the fact that the Lord is always faithful. He's always faithful to His covenant promises. You see, David knows and he presumes that our God is the Creator God who has made us. He's made heaven and earth, everything we can see and not see. And every man is therefore accountable to him. 
And he sees all and knows all and he will judge the wicked. No matter how large and powerful and prosperous they may become, they will be humble before him and he will speak the truth about them in that last day. And David knows the Lord is the redeemer of his people. That from before the earth was made, that God purposed to save a people for himself. And that the triune God bound himself by himself to accomplish our salvation. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit promising each other, being of one mind and heart about the fact that they would do all that was necessary to secure a people, a very bride of Christ. By who He is and by what He has done, the Lord has bound Himself to make it all right in the end. And so as we go through this fallen world, and as you await His return, you must trust in Him. You must delight in Him. You must love Him as the psalm calls you to in this wonderful spring of pearls in Psalm 37. This psalm has been sung down through the ages. In the Old Testament church, it was sung in the tabernacle. The stones of the temple echoed the words of this song as it were sung by the people of God. And in the synagogues, in one far reach of the world or another, it is echoed among the people of the Lord down through the ages. Jesus Christ our Lord, even Jesus of Nazareth, sang this psalm in, our chi- in his childhood and throughout all his days. And it is still to this day sung by him, he who is rightly called the eternal Son of God, who sits on the throne of God incarnate, who will come back and judge all human flesh. Oh, he sang and sings this psalm for you and about you. You see, Psalm 37 is Christ's prayer for you. That his heavenly father would not let you fret. But rather that his heavenly father would give you every aid and comfort in committing your way to the Lord and trusting in him. Jesus has prayed for you that his father might help you do that which you cannot do in your own strength. Because every pearl on the string which shines so brightly is something that we cannot do in our flesh. In Psalm 37, Jesus teaches us and quiets our hearts. He quiets our hearts as we see wicked and evil around us every day. Here He teaches us to remember His heavenly Father, who's always faithful to His covenant promises. No matter how unlikely the fulfillment of those covenant promises might appear on CNN that week, we can take trust in Him. And all the suffering and deprivations of this upside-down world in which we live, they all have a purpose in His providence in highlighting the glory of that day when Jesus will come back. Oh, the wicked and evil have become so prosperous and powerful and the Lord will cut them down to size with a thud on that day. And because the humble poor who have believed have trusted in God, have trusted in the Lord for their salvation, how great and more glorious light will be thrown upon this final judgment of our God. 
All the burdens you carry, my friend, and all the troubles that you face in your life are sanctified because in them, trusting in Christ, you have an opportunity to give glory to God. Now, what better way is there to live than not fretting, but trusting in the Lord who is faithful? Let us pray. Oh, our Father and our God, we thank you that your word is true and sure. We thank you for the gift of this beautiful string of pearls. Help us to wear them and to remember that you teach us here not to fret because of evil, but to trust in the one who is truly good. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.